This is Lizzie, all the way from Savannah, Georgia, and you're listening to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Stories and scandal water. It's where you Hello, Ashley. Hello, Candy. You're excited about today's topic. I am very aren't you? excited about today's topic. It's one that I requested. Yes, you did. But let's not let's not tell them just yet. How about we start with this? Okay. Nearly a hundred years ago. It's been that long. I know. Here was a police report that, by the way, this was kept in the National Archives, Mm -hmm. all right? The car was found in such a position as to indicate that some unusual proceeding had taken place, the car being found halfway down a grassy slope well off the main road with its bonnet buried in some bushes, as if it had got out of control. In the car was found a fur coat, a dressing case containing various articles of ladies' wearing apparel, and a driving license indicating that the owner was Mrs. Agatha Christie of Sunningdale Burks. That's our topic for today. It is the mysterious disappearance of Agatha Christie, which, guys, I did not know about. You did not. Ashley suggested this topic. So tell us again, why did you suggest this? Because it's so fascinating. She never talked about it. This happened to her. There was a, I'm sure you're going to go into the details, so I don't want to spoil the details, but an incident happened in her life and she just left. She left and she was gone for 10 days. And there was a worldwide, well, not worldwide, but there was a huge manhunt for mm-hmm. her. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was even mm-hmm. called in to help. And by the time he was called in, they were like, no, no, never mind. We found her. And she was found in some hotel under a different name with no memory of who she was and no memory of anything that had happened. And some people said it was because she was doing it as a publicity stunt for her next book that came out, which became one of her bestsellers. Right. And some people said, no, it really was because of this event that happened in her life but nobody can agree and she never would discuss it even in her autobiography she did not discuss it we're gonna come back to that oh this is it was fascinating when ashley told me about this i'm like how have i never heard of this yeah but it's because she went on to have such a full long Mm -hmm. life and was so popular that Mm -hmm. i think yes people did talk about it but i think her popularity and her incredible success just kind of overshadowed it for a lot of people and she never talked about it. Yeah. But it has actually been in the news recently because were you aware of this best-selling book called The Christie Affair? No. Oh, goodness. That's the first thing that started popping up when really? I started researching. Was it about yes. her husband's affair? Well, it is a fictionalized retelling this novel by Nina de Gramont called The Christie Affair that came out this past February. It was so popular. It is fictionalized. It's about Mm -hmm. the whole incident. Mm. But because it was so popular, there was an announcement made early last December that they are turning this into a little series adaptation (gasps) 
starring Daisy Ridley. No kidding. Yes. As Agatha? No, she stars as the mistress of Agatha oh. Christie's husband. And both the book and the series center around the mistress rather than Agatha Christie, apparently. What? I know. But bestseller. Bestseller. Mm. Now, I mean, I am curious. I, I want to read it now or at least watch the miniseries. But we today are going to tell the real story. As far, far as, as we, we can, can tell <laughs> based on the facts that we were able to find surrounding Agatha Christie's mysterious disappearance. The mystery author has a mystery of her own. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Just in case you don't know Agatha Christie as well as Ashley does. I, I love up. her. I love her. I don't have a lot of collections, but it is my goal to one day collect all of her books. If you look behind you, that's what I have so far. Oh, goodness. You have a lot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I haven't read all of them, but I'm trying to collect all the paper. You're helping to support that estate. <laughs> I, am. I am. Yes, I love her books. Well, I thought for context, I'm not doing a, a biography of Agatha, but I thought for context, I would pull a few fast facts. Okay. Okay. So Agatha Christie's books are estimated to have sold over 2 billion copies Mm-hmm. Putting her third mm-hmm. on the list of all-time bestsellers behind Bible and Shakespeare. There you go. She had actually written poetry and short stories for quite some time, ever since she was young, but she did not get into writing detective novels until her sister bet her that she couldn't write a good one. Mm-hmm. And that's what led to her first attempt, The Mysterious, Mysterious Affair at Styles. Have you read it? Yes. And that, I believe, is when her protagonist, Hercule, how do you say it? Her- Hercule Poirot. Thank you. With the mustaches and the egg-shaped head. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think that's where he obviously made his first appearance since that was her first detective novel. And that first attempt actually was picked up by a publisher with the condition being put out that she had to alter the ending. Apparently, they didn't like her first attempt at the ending. Hmm. According to her estate, Agatha Christie is the only crime writer to have created two equally famous protagonists. You know, there you go. Mm -hmm. And Newsweek article I read there gives Agatha Christie credit for inventing the first person narrator who turns out to be the perpetrator of the crime, that little device that that the murder crime of novelists Roger will use. Ackroyd. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. also, and then there were none. Mm-hmm. And the last fast fact, talking about how prolific she is, it, it really honestly made me think of Stephen King because yeah. there, there was one time, I don't know if you guys remember this, on Saturday Night Live, they had this one little bit where they had somebody playing Stephen King and literally the whole time he's being interviewed, his fingers are typing <laughs> ferociously. Yes. He's not even looking at the yes. paper. Yes. And then all of a sudden, and he pauses and he goes, oh no, I've got writer's block. <laughs> and after like three seconds, he He's goes, fine. Nah. nah. And he starts typing yes. again. That's what I thought of. I yeah, th- they said they they found just pieces of paper with plots and just envelopes and just the prolific output that she had was so amazing. I kind of compare her and Harper Lee. Harper Lee wrote that great American novel, To mm. Kill a Mockingbird. And then she was so frozen from the- The pressure sex, of the trying pressure to meet of, up or succeed. Yeah, she could never, yeah, she could never follow it up. With yeah. Agatha, I almost wonder if Harper had just gone, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to put something out. Mm-hmm. Some Agathas were great. Some were middling and some were terrible, but she just kept putting it out. And then she may have a not great one. And then she'd come up with a masterpiece and then mm-hmm. not great, but she just kept doing it. And I kind of wonder like Harper, I wish you could have had that kind of drive to yeah. just keep going. And some would be good and some would be bad, but 
just keep going. I got the impression that Agatha Christie almost approached it from a factory type mm-hmm. mentality. Mm-hmm. They said she would put out two to three novels per year as a rule. That was in quotes as a rule. One of her other things was she almost always put a book out right around Christmas so that it became a, a tradition. Gift. And a gift. Yes, that you would give it mm-hmm. to another person as you know one of the other fans. And, and they even came up with a slogan for it, A Christie for Christmas. It was part oh, of their marketing campaign. Cute. They were brilliant. They were. Her books are also called Co- because you could just read them in a couple hours they weren't very bloody there wasn't a lot it was just fun little puzzles that you could put together that you you had the satisfaction of it was always solved at the end everything was right with the world yes Yes. the hero was able to solve you know Mm -hmm. solve it and save the day Mm -hmm. there you go yeah well just to give a tiny bit about her background she was born on september 15th 1890 in england the youngest of three children her parents were frederick and clara miller and apparently they were doing okay because they were living in a villa called ashfield if you have a villa that you've named i think you're doing okay you're doing all right by yourself yeah (laughs) and she would later write in her autobiography quote i had a very happy childhood I had a home and a garden that I loved, a wise and patient nanny. If you also have a nanny, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. As father and mother, two people who loved each other dearly and made a success of their marriage and of parenthood. But I'm sure you know this, things fell apart when, Mm -hmm. yes, well, even before that, he'd actually lost their money. Right. I was going to say, I saw a YouTube video where they said that they think that his, he had been having heart attacks and they think it was brought on because he was not mismanaging their money, but not spending it in the best way like he wasn't he wasn't foolish with the money but it's like his investments weren't working and he was trying to keep everything afloat and it just wasn't working mm-hmm. and the stress was getting to him and he passed away when she was nine I think nine or eleven I don't remember 11, which one. eleven I believe is what and I because saw. her mother's dad died when when she was nine no that's actually how they I don't, you probably don't want to know this but a little trivia is how her parents met is her mother's father died when she was nine and so the mother was left kind of destitute so she sent her daughter her nine-year-old daughter to uh her sister that had gotten mm-hmm. married and was doing mm-hmm. very well I think mm-hmm. it was a sister but she grew up with this family and their last name was Miller so I thought well maybe that's where she got the last name but I'm gonna get this wrong I think Frederick was the son of the dad so oh. I don't think that they were related okay if that makes sense yeah I could be wrong, but that's just my recollection. Well, what I saw, and I did not do a deep dive, forgive me if I make the wrong inferences, but it sounded like he wasn't the best at managing their money. In Mm. fact, in one of the articles, it said that Agatha at some point wrote, quote, he was a lazy man with a simple and loving heart. Mm. And she added, quote, he would not have been particularly good at working anyway. Mm -hmm. So he just kind of lived off the inheritance. And Mm -hmm. yes, he did manage some things, but not Not so well. well. Yeah. And then as Ashley's said he died of pneumonia when she was 11 and that from that point on her mom struggled mm-hmm. now she's trying to support the kids basically living off this very small so allowance range because that's what happened to her mom yeah grandma you know so grandma it repeated that it just, pattern yes. for her that would yes. be so concerning yeah. so hard but of course agatha was well educated and cultured and also attractive and confident so as she got older she had plenty of suitors but the one that caught her eye was archibald christie who was an officer in the royal flying corps that she met at a dance in 1912 they married two years later in 1914 and archie went off to france to fight in the great war but while he was gone do you know what she did she volunteered in the infirmary in the poison division (laughs) yes now she also she also cared for injured soldiers at a local hospital so but it was what her work in that local dispensary where Mm -hmm. she got the idea about the poisons (laughs) 
And they said that she developed, quote, a fascination for poison, according to Laura Thompson, who wrote a biography about her called Agatha Christie and English Mystery. And she went on to say, quote, the beautiful look of the bottles, the exquisite precision of the calculations, the potential for mayhem contained within mm-hmm. order captivated the future crime writer and caused her to incorporate poisoning in several of her murder mysteries. Right. I, we were on, to go back to our road trip episode, we were touring some stuff on uh, Jekyll Island and our tour guide was like, oh, does anybody know what kind of plant this is? It's poisonous. And I think it was oleander. I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. a poison. He's like, how do you know that? I said, I've read Agatha Christie. <laughs> I know what kind of poisons are from I know the my flowers. <laughs> yeah. As we mentioned in our fastbacks, she started writing detective novels in 1916 And it did take a while for a publisher to accept her. But then when she was accepted by a publisher, they basically cheated her. How? They tricked her into signing a five book deal Uh. with very low royalties. So Mm. her first several books, she's making almost nothing, but she's beholden to them. She is Mm -hmm. in this contract with them. By the start of 1926, now she's finally in a great place with her career because in June of that year, she published her sixth novel where she's finally free of the yes. old publisher and her new publisher William Collins which is eventually going to be Harper, Harper Collins, Collins. Mm-hmm. this the book is The Murder of Roger Ackroyd and it ends up I think didn't you say at the beginning that this is one that ended up getting a lot of critical acclaim oh yeah it's considered one of her very best if not her very best novel and some people said I can't remember if this is one of the reasons they said that she broke the rules of the detective novel but other people read it and said no she was very fair she played fair the whole time but other people said she broke the rules because of the way it turns out uh-huh. to okay mm-hmm. the, the twist at the mm-hmm. end Yes, I saw everything I saw. I've not read it, but everything I saw gave a lot of props to this book and it had a lot of critical acclaim according to the sources. It also made her a lot more money. Mm -hmm. At the start of 1926, you probably would have also said that her personal life was looking pretty good Mm -hmm. because at this point she's been married to Archie for many years now and she has a daughter, Rosalind, who would have been about six at this time. But then suddenly everything started going wrong. Mm -hmm. Do you remember the first thing that... Her mom died. Yes. Her beloved mother, Clara, passed away in April, and Agatha took it very hard. They were extremely close. Mm -hmm. Extremely close. One source said that in losing her mother, she lost one of her closest confidants. Mm -hmm. And a BBC article said that her emotional distress was compounded by the fact that her husband, Archie, was not at all supportive. He didn't even attend the funeral, according to this source. And it said that she was also suffering from some writer's block because remember, she's so prolific, apparently Mm -hmm. with her grief and, Mm -hmm. you know, just everything she's dealing with, she was struggling a little Mm -hmm. bit. So she's in a bad place right now. And then not long after, in early summer, while she's still grieving. And I think she's also trying to get her mother's estate taken care of. So she's cleaning out her mother's home. that is correct. Going through all of the memories, dealing Mm -hmm. with the grief, dealing with the loss. The paperwork. The paperwork. All of the stuff stuff that comes from that. Yes. That's a lot. It's a lot. A lot. And especially if you're not feeling supported Uh by your husband. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and taking care of a child. But in early summer, Archie reveals to Agatha that he is in love with another woman named Nancy Neal, and he wants a divorce. Bombshell. Bombshell. She's devastated. Mm -hmm. She obviously does not want the divorce. And so they do continue to live together for several months. One source said it was for their daughter's sake. I'm not sure why, whether it was that Agatha just said, I don't want this. But regardless, they're together, but he's continuing his affair with Nancy. Right. He's leaving on the weekend to go hang out with his friends and Nancy. Yeah. And sometimes what I saw was the phrase, 
going to see my friends or be with friends simply simply meant I'm going to be with Nancy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just code. So on the night of Friday, December 3rd, 1926, after another big argument between the couple, Archie told Agatha he was leaving to spend the weekend with friends, which she knew, of course, Mm -hmm. meant he's headed straight towards Nancy Neal. Later that evening, one source named it as being around 9.45 p.m., 36-year-old Agatha removed her wedding ring, kissed her daughter Rosalind goodnight as she was sleeping in her bed, and Agatha drove away from the house in her Morris Cowley car. Did I say that correct? I don't know. (laughs) Forgive us if she didn't. I have no idea. Leaving Rosalind in the care of household servants. Okay. Agatha's abandoned car was found, lights on, on the edge of a chalk pit by an eerie natural spring known as the Silent Pool near Guilford. The New York Times reported, quote, The novelist's car was found abandoned near Guilford on the edge of a chalk pit, the front wheels actually overhanging the edge. The car evidently had run away and only a thick hedge growth prevented it from plunging into the pit. Mm-mm-mm. And then remember the police report that I read mm-hmm. there at the top? I'm going to repeat that really quickly. The car was found in such a position as to indicate that some unusual proceeding had taken place. The car being found halfway down a grassy slope, well off the main road with its bonnet buried in some bushes as if it had got out of control. In the car was found a fur coat, a dressing case containing various articles of ladies wearing apparel, and a driving license indicating that the owner was Mrs. Agatha Christie of Sunday Dale Burks. To add to that, according to Newsweek, the license was expired. Oh. I'm not sure if that's significant, but mm-hmm. I just thought it was an interesting mm-hmm. detail. I'm going to pause for a second. What are some impressions you have when you hear some of those details? Well, I think that she just had a psychological break and she just was going out into the night and seeing where it took her in the car. She veered off the road and just probably started walking and just was devastated. That's my opinion of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Some of the details that strike me, the car overhanging Mm -hmm. as though it was almost going over Mm -hmm. the things that are left behind. Mm -hmm. You know, why would you leave your stuff behind? Like those are some of the questions. I think she just got out of the car and just started walking. I'm not going to say that she was suicidal in effect. I think the car probably went off the road. She just was so devastated that she wasn't really paying attention and she just got out and started walking. But that goes to, I know we're going to talk about in the armchair. Yeah. Okay. Well, many people obviously assumed the worst Mm -hmm. and the police investigation began to go find this missing woman. A man who had seen Agatha Christie that night reported that she was, quote, sparsely dressed for such an inclement morning and that she appeared strange in her manner. The police description put out so that people could try to identify Agatha said that the missing woman was, quote, age 35, height 5 foot 7 inches, hair reddish and shingled, eyes gray, complexion fair, well built, dressed in gray and dark gray cardigan, small green velour hat, wearing a platinum ring with one pearl but no wedding ring. So her disappearance is obviously very sensational and widely reported in the news. It made the front page of the New York Times, and one publication offered a 100-pound reward for information leading to her whereabouts. 15,000 volunteers joined the search to go try to find her. They brought in biplanes at some point, wow. bloodhounds on the ground. In some cases, they were dredging some lakes and streams. They searched London buses. The Home Secretary put pressure on the police to get this crime solved. And, as you've already foreshadowed or or told us already. I don't know where this fell in the timeline, but at some point 
some prominent people became involved. Dorothy Sayers visited yes, the scene there of the uh-huh. disappearance. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And then Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who we said this in a previous episode, he was a devoted spiritualist. Mm-hmm. According to the sources I saw, he consulted a medium to try to get this mystery solved. And Newsweek gave a few more details. Their article said that he gave one of Agatha's gloves to a medium, Horace Leaf, who said she was still alive, quote, half dazed, half purposeful, end quote. Well, that covers it all. And would turn up the following week. (laughs) That covers it all. She's half dazed, half purposeful. Well, then you're all covered. Yes. No matter what. I was right. (laughs) Way to step out on a limb (laughs) there. Yeah, really. Come on, Mr. Leaf on the limb. (laughs) (laughs) So the journalists, of course, are putting forth so many different theories about why she's disappeared oh yeah because this is the this is the 20s we know what journalism was like thanks to maureen dallas watkins it's like sensationalism yeah what's gonna sell the papers absolutely they're all over this i'm sure some people are saying she drowned herself others are saying she's been murdered by her husband newsweek had a quote that said for most suspicion fell on her husband colonel archie christie a dazzling first world war fighter pilot turned provincial bore and a man who seems to have been more interested in golf than his wife. I kind of like their little quote. I do so I too. I would put it in we'll there. We'll just leave that in it's there. An editorial comment. Yeah. But, you know, other people said that this whole thing was a publicity stunt, that she was because simply Because of trying, Ackroyd. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's just trying to promote her novels. Mm-hmm. This is nothing but publicity. So many different theories are bouncing around. After three days of searching for the novelist, the police called it off. Because they said that Agatha's brother-in-law had received a letter from her. And that letter reportedly said she was going to a Yorkshire spa for rest and treatment. But then the police resumed the search a day or two later because they didn't really trust the information in the letter. They weren't sure that this was accurate. So one newspaper report said the police actually suspected suicide. And one Mm. of the things that they did was they searched that pond called the Silent Pool or Mm. referred to as the Silent Pool. Going back to this letter, there were actually three. Have you heard about the letters? No. Mm -mm. Okay. It was not revealed until December 10th that before leaving her home, Agatha had actually written three letters. This was cool. Some of the sources I saw actually gave archival documents. So I actually got to look at the New York Times article that was published on December 10th, 1926. Nice. That actually told about this. I think this is fascinating. One of the letters was to this brother-in-law and he apparently told the police that he had destroyed it. So they did not get to actually see the letter. Everything must have just been coming through what he said. Another letter was to Agatha's secretary, and according to that article that I saw, it said, quote, The police thought it had been destroyed, but it has been found and handed to them. Its most significant passage was, I must get away. I cannot stay here in Sunningdale much longer. The third letter was to Agatha's husband, Archie, but the article said it was unposted and, quote, Colonel Christie refused to reveal its contents, stating it was a personal note written evidently before his wife decided to go away. I bet it was. Yes. I bet he doesn't want that shared. Right. (laughs) So this is a full week after she's been missing that this news about the three letters Mm -hmm. comes out. I thought that was fascinating. It is cool. Well, before we go on, why don't we pause there and take a little break? Let's do it. In the 1920s, it was all the rage to give a Christie for Christmas. What's the hot item a hundred years later? Some Scandal Water merch. What would please the Scandal Water fan in your life more than finding a new t-shirt or sticker under the tree? 
Email scandalwaterpodcast at gmail.com and order yours today. Or if you're looking for a unique gift idea for the podcast listener in your life, you can give the gift of Scandal Water membership by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Cheers! All right, so we're back to see if we can unravel this mystery of Mm -hmm. Agatha Christie's disappearance. 11 days after she disappeared, on the 14th of December, a musician performing at the Swan Hydropathic Hotel in Harrogate, which was referred to as a spa hotel, reported to the police that he'd seen a woman in the hotel who resembled the missing writer that was all over the papers. Some people, of course, would later make a big joke about the fact that Agatha was exactly where she had said she was <laughs> yes, in that letter yes. to her brother-in-law. I'm going to a spa. I, I, yeah. I was going to say, did you guys check the spas right. in Yorkshire? And I don't know that they did. Oh I'm not gosh. sure that they actually followed up That's on that That's too lead. obvious. Yeah, I'm not positive. But I, that was definitely a, a joke that was going around. It's uh-huh. like, why didn't y'all look there? Yeah. <laughs> so she was, as Ashley said, registered under the last name. Uh-huh. Teresa is the first mm-hmm. name she used. Yeah. She was under the name Teresa Neal. And she used cash from a money belt to pay her way. Now, after her discovery, they talked to different people at the hotel who had been around Agatha. And they said she had acted just like all the other guests. She even sang songs on several evenings. Like she was operating, interacting just Mm -hmm. like a hotel guest. Mm -hmm. When they went to confront Agatha to go claim her, she claimed to have no memory of what had occurred. Basically, I don't know if she said this, but they decided it was some form of amnesia. Mm -hmm. In a newspaper interview... From December 15th of 1926, Archie was quoted as saying, She has suffered from the most complete loss of memory, and I do not think she knows who she is. She does not know me, and she does not know where she is. I am hoping that rest and quiet will restore her. I am hoping to take her to London tomorrow to see a doctor and specialist. Now, just as a little side note, he says he's going to get her and take her places. The interest in her, this would have been so sensational that one of the things I saw was when they knew that she was going to be traveling, Mm -hmm. hundreds of people showed up at the London train station to actually try to catch sight of them. Like her popularity. Skyrocketed. Yes. After this whole thing, she went through the roof. It's crazy. And, And we've already said this, but her crime novels would absolutely take off from here it was nothing but up after this yeah they just resumed their life and they went on with things the couple did not actually officially divorce until 1928 so two more years yes wow Yes. And he went on to marry his mistress, Nancy Neal, which tells me he was still with her this Mm -hmm. whole time. Mm -hmm. They, I don't, they were probably, I guess, trying to make it work. Who knows? I doubt it. And Agatha would go on to marry a much younger man named Max Mellowin, who was an archaeologist. And they seemed to be very happy. They were very, very happy. I referenced this marriage in our Dark Highway episode, remember? Because I said that Verna possibly had a younger suitor. And I said, well, Agatha had a younger suitor. (laughs) She got married. It was fine to a guy 15 years younger. Yeah, he was an archaeologist. She traveled with him. Mm -hmm. They were extremely happy. And she was a big enough woman that when Archie passed away, she actually sent a note of condolence to Nancy because they stayed married for the rest of Archie's life. Yes, Yes, I had a note that both couples remained Mm -hmm. in those second marriages. Mm -hmm. And just to add one more little thing, I thought it was very cool that Agatha would incorporate her travels and what she, you know, different interesting things Mm -hmm. that she would discover while she was with Max traveling into her novels then. She was really good at bringing things in. Well, about her disappearance, 
according to a 2019 New York Times article. Christie herself discussed the incident publicly only once in a 1928 interview she gave to the Daily Mail. She told them she had been driving past a quarry on December 3, 1926 when, quote, there came into my mind the thought of driving into it. However, as my daughter was with me in the car, I dismissed the idea at once. That night I felt terribly miserable. I felt that I could go on no longer. I left home that night in a state of high nervous strain with the intention of doing something desperate. When I reached a point on the road, which I thought was near the quarry, I turned the car off on the road down the hill toward it. I left the wheel and let the car run. The car struck something with a jerk and pulled up suddenly. I was flung against the steering wheel and my head hit something. Up to this moment, I was Mrs. Christie. We're going to come back to this again, but there was this one time she spoke about it, as you've already said, even in her autobiography, mm -hmm. she skipped over it. Mm -hmm. She talked openly about her divorce, you know, all the different pieces, but, but she not would not talk about the disappearance. All of these sources, I mean, every one of them would talk about the mystery of what actually happened. And they would say this, it's an unsolved mystery. And the theories are still out there. And some of the most popular ones as near nearly as I could tell. One is what you've said. Her biographer, Andrew Norman, argues that she was in a fugue state mm -hmm. caused by trauma or depression. Mm -hmm. While another super popular theory is that she was very deliberate with this. She was trying to embarrass or punish her husband mm. for having the affair, that it was basically a form of revenge or some kind of a vindictive move mm -hmm. to try to like, if, if you're going to run off with your girlfriend, at least I'm going to make this really miserable and embarrassing for mm -hmm. you. Like mm -hmm. just a vindictive kind of thing. Now, this is interesting. A historian named Lucy Worsley published. I love Lucy Worsley. You know her? I do. What have you have you read? Uh, she's the one I've told you about. There was this Henry VIII miniseries, and she inserted herself in scenes she would walk through modern day landmarks and tell you here's what's going on yes. and then they would have a scene that took place back in the day and they'd have henry the eighth cast and she'd be one of the maids and then something would happen she turned the camera and she's like now this is where this would happen and <laughs> i she remember this yeah, now. yeah i love her she's got a cute little blonde bob and she just did something on agatha i haven't seen that stuff but she's a very well-known historian well that's probably exactly what i'm about to tell you okay. and you're gonna want to read it I because do. it sounds fascinating i follow her on instagram well she just published a book in 2020 22 called Agatha Christie, a very elusive woman. And she put forth this whole perspective about the disappearance. She is quoted as saying, people talk about this incident as though it's a huge mystery, but it's not a mystery. And she's really definitive. She comes out and she says, Agatha did tell us what happened. She said, I'm going to Yorkshire to the spa. <laughs> she's like, here I go. <laughs> she actually said, it's that same 1928 interview with the Daily Mail. And mm -hmm. according to Lucy, <laughs> Lucy says people just don't want to hear what Agatha was saying, because what she was talking about made them uncomfortable. She mm -hmm. said that she feels this is her belief that Agatha was openly saying I was dealing with mental illness yeah. and struggling and people yeah. just don't want to hear that. Here's an actual quote from Lucy. She actually said in 1926, when I disappeared, it was a really distressing incident of mental illness. I was experiencing suicidal thoughts. All I wanted to do was get away from my cheating husband, the pressure of my life and to form a new identity for myself. That's kind of Lucy's theory. Mm -hmm. Based on what was shared in a 2015 CNN article, it sounded to me as though Agatha's grandson, this is 
she Matthew? had the, yes Matthew Pritchard she has kind of just this one um, one line one line that follows her of descendants but it sounds like he agrees the article says that in a clip posted on the Agatha Christie website Matthew suggested that Agatha had some sort of breakdown mm-hmm. here's an excerpt from what he said in that clip it was I think the confluence of these two situations referring to her mother's death mm-hmm. and the husband's request for divorce mm-hmm. that made her ill to such an extent that she eventually eventually disappeared, went off to Harrogate in North Yorkshire and forgot about herself as an individual. I think it was a mixture of loss of memory and intolerable sadness, Mm -hmm. almost despair. Mm -hmm. Armchair psychologist. And that brings us to the end of what I wanted to put in front of us from the sources that I looked at. And of course, you know what I'm going to ask you for the armchair. What do I think? Yes. I, I, I think it's like I'm with Lucy and Matthew. I think this is not a mystery. It is a mystery in that no, she never talked about it. But I agree with them. I think she was experienced a fugue state. It's sort of like what my theory is in our episode about Bernie. I think Bernie entered a fugue state because of the abuse that he was, the emotional abuse he was suffering from Marjorie and blah, blah, blah. So that if you want to listen to that, that's, a, but it's a similar, it's similar to that. I think she had entered a fugue state. She was in deep, deep despair. Her best friend, her mother had gone you know there's so much stuff that you have to go through when you're cleaning out and you're looking at all the memories and you're looking at the life and you're thinking of all of that loss and then your husband who is not supporting you comes in and says by the way I'm in love with someone else and I don't want to be with you anymore and she just it just imploded I think everything just imploded and she just wanted to get away I think the reason she probably was having she was suicidal but I think her daughter kept her from that because she even said my daughter was with me but her daughter wasn't with her oh no she said her daughter was with her Earlier, earlier in the day oh, okay. and she didn't do anything desperate okay. because her daughter was in the car so later that night she came through she okay. got okay. in the car and yeah. okay well i don't know she may be in, in it just stopped or we don't know we don't know if she was or wasn't if she was attempting something but we know she got out of the car she just wanted to be someone else and the only name she could think of was the woman that he had just said i love better than you so she's literally trying to become the other the other woman and she said i'm going to yorkshire <laughs> it's interesting i don't I don't know if I go totally towards the the fugue state thing mm-hmm. because there's so many things that sound too purposeful to me. Like she but has a think money about belt. Yeah. She I didn't say this, but she took a train to get to the spa hotel and then she's in the hotel purposely paying for things mm-hmm. with that money and singing and dancing. I think I think I believe that it was that she was struggling. I think that she needed to get away and that she was, I do think that she was on the verge of a breakdown. Yeah. But in my mind, I wonder, I don't know if it's, I don't literally know who I am. I don't know if I believe it was full amnesia, full Mm. fugue state. Mm -hmm. I think it was more, I am a woman who is desperate to get away. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to deal and I'm going to go into denial. I'm going to stick my head in the sand and try to survive until I know what else to do. I definitely don't think it was a matter of revenge and or a promotional thing for her book because you have to think about her personality. She was so private. She was so introverted about her personal life and the fact that she never spoke about it. If she's doing this to punish Archie, she would continually talk about it and she would talk about what he had Mm -hmm. done to her and it would be very sensational and she would splash scandal everywhere. She Mm -hmm. didn't do that. Yeah. In her autobiography, I remember her packing up like all the letters that he had given her or something and putting, she put a little Bible verse with it and it said, it was a verse is like if it had been a stranger that had hurt me 
it would, I'm going to get the verse wrong, but something about like it, but it was you, someone that I loved that hurt mm-hmm. me. And she put mm-hmm. this little verse with it and she just packed it away and she never talked about it mm-hmm. again. And she was kind when he passed away to his second wife. And it's like, she just let that part go. So I just don't feel like she's the kind of personality that would do this just to punish him. Mm-hmm. I just don't feel that. Yeah. I don't know her like you do. I haven't read all of her works, but she didn't come across as a vindictive person. Mm-mm. She came across as a woman who was very much in control. Mm-hmm. This woman ran her business Mm -hmm. like she was totally in control of her marketing like they talked about how she was forceful in terms of offering her opinions about when this book would come out or how they were going to market it she was somebody who sounded like she kind of took care of things for her mother Mm -hmm. you know she had servants Mm -hmm. I think in my mind I see her as a woman who's used to you know she was working in the hospital working in dispensaries Mm -hmm. you know this was a woman who did everything and was super competent and I think probably all of a sudden she feels no control in her life yeah everything is taken away from her everything she thinks she is what she has everything is stripped away from her and she doesn't know what to do Mm -hmm. she's just lost and so she literally fight or flight kicked in and she chose flight that's what I think I think that's where I land on it. Yeah. I still think there was a fugue state that started it. She maybe started coming out of it and just was enjoying her time. But I just feel like that flight in the middle of the night, just, I don't know, just like a sudden trauma would, she just, she just knew she needed to leave, but she didn't know where she was going or what she was going to do. So she prepped for it. She wrote the letter. She Mm -hmm. said, here's what I'm going to go, go do. But it just was, I have to get out of here. I just have to go and not remembering who she was. And they were talking about Agatha being missing at the hotel and she was like engaging in conversations with people yeah but you do bring up a good point like she literally before she leaves that night writes a letter to her brother-in-law that says I'm gonna go to this spa yeah so there is some intentionality which yeah it's very interesting again you you feel strongly she was in a fugue state I I don't know about that I I totally agree with you something was really going on with her Mm -hmm. with her emotional and her mental stability well if Bernie was in a fugue state he was still able to after it happened he kind of snapped back to himself but he still started doing really weird things I never really believed he was in a fugue state you didn't I didn't well I think in the action of the crime he was I don't know well remember he went up and shot her in the back of the head yeah I had problems with that that is pretty gross (laughs) That's pretty bad, Bernie. But I think, so we we disagree on a few of the details, but I Mm -hmm. think we both land pretty close together Mm -hmm. on the mystery itself. Yeah. Yeah. Mystery, not mystery. She just needed to get away. Mm -hmm. It's the, what was the impetuous to make her leave? And was she actually in some kind of fugue? It just makes the most sense to me. She just seems so responsible. You know, Mm -hmm. why would you do that? Unless there was some kind of snapping. I got to get away. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know what I wonder is, I would love to know the gaps, right? If they went and found her and she's literally saying, I don't know who I am. I don't know who who you are. What was that process like mm-hmm. for her coming back to herself? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. why were they together two That's more the years mystery. before they divorced? Yeah. I would love to know what So happened. the 10 days isn't really the mystery. The mystery is, well, how did she get her memory back, guys? Mm-hmm. If it was gone, what'd you do? Yeah. He showed and up. what was life for, like for their poor child? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we didn't solve anything. <laughs> we didn't, in a way. In a way, I think yes. we've, we've come to our own resolution mm-hmm. and, and, and we're, we're pretty together on this. Of course, we know who we're going to cheers. I Agatha. Mean, yes. Oh, also, I got to say a plug for the musical Something's Afoot. It's one of my very favorite musicals. Mm -hmm. It's a musical spoof of Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. So it's one of my favorite musicals I've ever done. If you get a chance, look it up on YouTube. I don't know if it's on there, but one of the songs is We Owe It All to Agatha Christie. So let's cheers, Miss Agatha. We owe it all to Agatha Christie. Cheers. Cheers. 
If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can Join the Scandalwater community through our Scandalwater Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandalwater Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandalwater theme and other music, Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandalwater are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.